0: What's up everybody? 2019 is at our doorstep. For some of you, it may already be here. Uh, 2018 was a fantastic year for Mongols and for BGN in general, and we have so many big things planned for 2019 for both Mongols and BGN, but We always like to take a moment and sort of reflect back on sort of where we've come from. And I know there's a lot of new listeners who aren't really familiar with, you know, where does the name Mongols come from? Um, How did we get started? What is BGN? What is the goal of BGN? All of those things. And so earlier this year, uh, Laura Ellen did a what I thought was a great interview with myself, which feels kind of weird to say. That. But anyway, um, it dives into all of the details about you know how Mongols got started, how BGN got started, where BGN is going, what we'd like to accomplish with all of these things. And so we thought heading into 2019, even though we don't have a new show, it's always fun to look back and, and reflect on where we've come from um, so that we have a clear picture of, of where it is that we may be headed. So while we'll be back next week with a brand new episode, enjoy this one from the archives uh, with Laura, Ellen, and myself talking all about the history of Mongols and BGN.
1: What's up, everybody? This is Laura Ellen with Womongols, sponsored by Roughneck Scarves. And today, I have a special treat for you. I'm joined by our very own Michael Sparks for a special episode I'd like to call Mongols and the Beautiful Game Network, a history. So you may or may not know that Mike is the founder and creator of Mongols, which is a podcast covering the Riverhounds SC, and the Beautiful Game Network, a network of podcasts covering the USL while i knew that mike and his brother kevin wait what their brothers huh? started mongols i didn't know until more recently that he also started the beautiful game network so i thought it would be a good idea to sit down and learn more about mike and mongols and the bgn so mike thank you for sitting down and answering all my questions
0: i feel like i've i've, I've walked into a trap here um but that's fine. I'm happy to do it. You, you saying that this was like a history show makes me feel like there should be like some sort of Ken Burns companion book or something that goes along with it.
1: Well, we really we could have like, uh, you know, gotten some sort of like coloring book to send out <laughs> so people could listen along or even like a, a bingo card. That when we talk about certain things, we can check them off. That's the level
0: we're at here. I started at Ken Burns and you took us down the coloring book. I love it. Okay. This is going to be great.
1: uh, Crayons. (laughs) The smell of crayons relieves stress. You're welcome.
0: That's what's going on here right now. We've both been sniffing crayons.
1: There it is. Um. All right. So what we're gonna do? So I have kind of a couple sections here. In the first section, I always think it's interesting to think about how did people even become interested in soccer in the first place. Um. So when I was first on the show, we talked a little bit about my story. And so you know, as a player, you know, playing from first grade to twelfth grade, and then um, you know, having it evolve from there. Um. I'd love to hear how you became interested in soccer.
0: Ooh man. Okay. So we're going way back. Um, I started playing when I was probably about eight, I was sort of going through this phase where I was trying out a bunch of different sports, trying to see what I would enjoy. And honestly, when I started, um, I, I thought like I could kick harder if I fell over when I kicked the ball. So that was sort of like my signature move. And like my dad, he, he was having none of that. So I learned pretty quickly, uh, how to stay on my feet and uh and basically grew up playing through the youth system um locally i was i was in penn hills and uh and honestly i was about i was i think 12 years old when i first started coaching um basically my dad he sort of coached all of our teams just because they needed volunteers and kevin who's on the show with us he started playing it must have been u6 and uh my dad was like hey do you want to be an assistant coach for U6?" And I said, sure. And, you know, honestly, I, I basically coached youth soccer from the age of 12 until I graduated high school and I absolutely loved it, like almost as much as playing. And uh, so yeah, played played locally, um, you know, did the whole travel team thing, did the whole, the they have a Keystone Cup, uh, which is basically like the Pennsylvania Olympics, went and played in that, that was fun. Um, never really got into like cup teams sort of things um, played, you know, basically until my sophomore year of high school. And then really the, the whole locker room situation was just like terrible, um, in terms of hazing and in terms of just the stuff that kids were getting away with. And I had had enough, you know, basically there was a lot of pressure from the outside. And I said, I'm just going to not, I'm not doing it. I'm just not gonna play anymore. And like, it was sort of this shock, but I continued coaching, um, and enjoyed it. And then honestly, I think that like the two years that I took, this is getting really deep. I'm sorry. Um, The two years that I took off playing, basically my junior and senior year, were like the best years of my life because I came back when I was in college and started playing intramurals and pickup games and things like that. And I think stepping away from the game and watching it more as a coach gave me so much more perspective about how to be effective on the field, even like coaching just at the youth level, that I feel like, when I came back and played intramurals and pickup, and, um, you know, I played in various tournaments around the area now as an adult, that I'm like 10 times the player that I was in high school, you know, even though I was starting as a sophomore, like varsity, it was just learning and watching the game from a little bit of a distance gives you a completely different perspective. And, and that was something that really was just huge to me. Um, and I never thought that would be the case. But... I really appreciate the fact that I did take that time away. As difficult as it was, um, I think it was fantastic. So that's how I how I got my start. It was really playing and then that additional love through coaching um, and, and helping other kids uh, learn, learn the game. So, yeah, that's where it started. And then it's just sort of continued on ever since.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, it's so interesting to me to kind of hear that. And also that you uh, you know took some time off in high school because there was a certain point so I played throughout high school as well and so there was this point in high school that I were I really wasn't sure right that I wanted to continue playing and it became a big point of contention in my household because my parents wanted me to play uh, you know they knew how much I, I loved the game itself but right it's that you know it's it, you know high schoolers are hard man like I Oh, anyway, nowadays, that gets into a whole other other conversation. But I also think it's interesting to hear that, you know, you coached for so long. And I know for me, my own experience, my freshman and sophomore year of college, I coached the intramural team for my high school because I I stayed I went to college in the area where my high school was. Um, And that it like it's such a different dynamic, right? Like dealing with parents and other players and, you know think the 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 refs are bad in the usl (laughs) when you get to you know high school Mm -hmm. intramurals yeah it becomes a, a whole different thing so when it comes to coaching were there did you do like the trainings that they have for coaches
0: so i didn't when i was a kid um but once i had my own kids uh this was you know now flash forward to oh geez i guess not eight years ago like six years ago i guess when my oldest son started playing um I basically stepped into a position uh in Woodland Hills, which again is is in the area. It's a great little youth program. Um, and started coaching U6, which there's no refs in U6. And it was weird because like I think that there's something instinctually about me that I can connect with whoever it is that I'm interacting with. So a lot of times I had, a, I almost felt more comfortable interacting with the kids than I did with the parents. Cause I think the parents like didn't <laughs> know what to make of me. Cause I'm literally like, like crawling around on all fours, just like the kids on the field and like rolling around in the mud because like that's what got them excited. Um, so once I did that for about a year, then uh, U.S. soccer came out and they started implementing rules about, Um, You always had to have certain clearances, but at least in terms of coaching, they came out with sort of their, their curriculum that they would like all of the coaches to, to meet and and to participate in. Um, And so there, that was just basic, I think it's the F license where you basically go online and you watch some videos and you answer some questions and blah, blah, blah. Honestly, I'm not that impressed with that level. I've, you know, I've coached with guys since then that are now making their way up to like their B license. Um, And they're really good coaches. But, uh, yeah, so I, I basically went through the, the bare bones F. Um, and, but I, I basically been coaching ever since, you know, basically these past six years I've done at one point I was coaching three different teams at the same time for each of the kids because I felt bad. Like, well, you know, I did these guys, I have to do this one too. And it was a lot, but it's fun. So,
1: yeah, I feel like this could turn into, I mean, I have so many other questions about kind of you know, your experiences and thoughts on youth development and what that looks like, at, you know, and, and let's do it. Uh, let's do well, it.
0: no,
1: no, 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 no. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you, I can't hijack. Can't this? Away with, okay. no, right. no, no, no. Um, but but I do think that's, you know, something that's you know kind of interesting to think about. What does that that look like in a bar scale? But if we have time, we'll circle back around to it. Okay. Um, so, OK, so you said you played and you also coached um, for most of your kind of formative years. And so what did your level of fandom look like?
0: Honestly, growing up as a kid, um, I had like zero level of fandom. I mean, I when I grew up as well. I mean, this is like the 90s. I guess when I was playing, soccer wasn't really on TV. I mean, you'd have the occasional. The World Cup was a big deal. Like I remember, was it 98, that the World Cup was here in America, and my dad and I. My dad got tickets for me and him, and we drove to New Jersey to the Meadowlands to see Germany play. Which, in hindsight, I guess Klinsman was playing in that game. Um, But even at that, it was kind of like just this novelty thing of like, oh, you know, they're playing soccer here. Let's just go see it. It wasn't a regular occurrence. So, honestly, my fandom didn't really start, at least from a a watching other teams perspective, until maybe six, seven years ago, um, when I sort of buckled down and said, okay, this is it. I have to pick a team. At this point... You know, Kevin, who's obviously my family, he started the latch onto Liverpool and he's like, you need to support Liverpool. And I'm like, well, no, I'm going to pick my own team. So I start doing all of the like online, who's your EPL team sort of things. And it kept coming up with, you know, random teams. There was actually a guy, there's still a guy that I work with who's from England, and he was sort of giving me the lowdown of, like, he was like this This is the team you should be. And, and he's a Man U fan. And he was like, look, if I wasn't a Man U fan, I'd tell you, do not be a Man U fan. And I said, okay, cool. And after just all this back and forth and back and forth and back and forth, I picked up – there was some European um, – it might have been a Champions League magazine, and I saw Barcelona. And there was something that immediately – I knew nothing about the team, but there was something that immediately just drew me to them. It had nothing to do with records. It had nothing to do with anything. And I was just like, well, you know, let me start watching these guys and see what they're about. Cause I was, I was testing out different teams. It was almost like, like Tinder, but for a soccer team where you're trying to figure out like, who's the right match. Um, and so, uh, so yeah, I, at that period, Pep was still at Barcelona and they were filled. They were fielding basically a team of 10 to 11 players that were all from their Academy. And I was like, wow, this is a team that like, I can get behind the fact that they have a system that they believe in. They're not going out and spending a gajillion dollars on all these players. They're raising these kids through these academies, and they're putting out this amazing product. So I'll watch them. And so, honestly, I watched Barcelona for a good, I don't know, four or five years. um, And then started to lose interest a little bit when they just started buying up anybody that they could sort of keep up with the arms race of of Real Madrid. And then, um, yeah, it was around that time. I guess it was probably four years ago like i knew about the hounds but i didn't like start actively watching every single game um until about four years ago uh and and honestly what i mean this is probably jumping ahead so maybe i'll 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 save i'll save the actual genesis of the podcast for you but um started watching hounds about four years ago and then loosely started following tottenham but Now even, you know, now that I'm back to to coaching sort of full-time again with the kids and now with all the podcast, there's just no time for me to watch anything but the Hounds at this point. So that's that's sort of my level of fandom is Hounds. I know of all the other teams. And if I have the time to sit down and watch one of the other teams, I will. It's just that with three young boys running around, that time is uh, few and far between.
1: Yeah, which I, 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 well, first of all, uh, excellent choice with
0: Barcelona, <laughs> by the way. I knew, I knew, um, <laughs> I knew as I was saying it. I'm like, all right, here we go.
1: We should just make this like the Barcelona podcast. Anyway. Um, Danny Elvis for life. So there much. you go. Yeah. Oh, goodness. Okay. <laughs> well, um, I mean, I think, which, but, but I think it does. So that's interesting that you say, you know, like six, seven years ago was kind of when you were starting because that's, I'm trying to think it was about. 10 years ago, over 11 years ago now that I first went to Argentina and that's right when Messi was kind of making his debut. And I, I just remember being like, okay, like, Whose jersey should I get? And someone was like, "Well, there's this young kid, Messi. You should be." And I was like, "Messi, that's a dumb name. That's that's honestly what I thought. That's so Messi, stupid." That's a dumb name. <laughs> I bought the jersey anyway. To be fair, Good and move. then and then it just you know progressed from there. But I think that's. But I think what's interesting to me is that it's this evolutionary process. It's not like one day you wake up, right, yeah. and it's just like all of a sudden. Uh, you know, I'm the biggest fan of whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and, and I also appreciate and, and respect the fact that you, you try to like do research. Um, I was just like, oh, messy. Oh, wait, he's really good. Oh, Barcelona. Okay, great. Yep. That's my team.
0: I, I think it's one of those things, at least locally, um, where, you know, we have the Riverhounds, obviously, but I feel like if you're going to become a soccer fan, it's a conscious decision and effort to do so you, you don't really stumble into it it's just kind of like okay i'm gonna be a soccer fan so i need to find my team and figure out how to watch them i think that um you know nbc picking up uh um the premier league has helped substantially because I've, I've mentioned this on you know mongols before there's a couple of guys that i know that i never in a million years would have thought they'd become epl fans and they're they're huge like Pittsburghers, it's just all steelers penguins pirates everything and these guys are getting up on saturday mornings and watching their epl team and cooking eggs and taking pictures of it and putting it online um so i think that that exposure has helped substantially grow the game locally at least interest in the game um but yeah at least when i got started it was something you know i would talk to the guy who was from england in my office about it but like, he knew it because he was from England. Anybody else is like, you're, you're watching what? Like, huh? So I had to actively sort of search it out.
1: Yeah, for sure. And, and I think that's how, you know, it is for, you know, a lot of people, whether it's a family member or... You know, you travel abroad, uh, you know, if you have the opportunity, right, the fortune to to travel abroad and be exposed to what soccer culture looks like in other countries. And then it becomes this thing that's contagious. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay, so we need to we need to shift gears here. But just real quickly. So who are your favorite? um, So you mentioned Tottenham. (laughs) So um, who is your favorite MLS team? Um,
0: I went through a period where I really liked the Red Bulls. Um, where like, again, I was sort of, yeah, I know you're shaking your head, relax. So (laughs) it was one of those things where I said, okay, I'm going to support local soccer. And again, I'm thinking like, well, MLS, like I want to see MLS grow. I'm not even thinking USL. And so at this point, at that point, I don't even think there was, it might've been USL pro. I can't even remember. But anyway, I'm thinking, okay, so what's the closest MLS team to where we are? Union weren't a thing yet. It was basically either Columbus or New York. And I had a brother, I still have a brother, who lives in New York City. So I thought, well, "Well, okay, there's a connection there. So I'll at least start paying attention to the Red Bulls a little bit. And this is when um, they had Rafa Marquez. And this was the year, I think, before Thierry Henry came in and started playing for them. Uh, Herzog was on that team. And so um, I I started, because they were a little bit more accessible, I started watching them. I actually went, um, when I went to visit my brother... It was around Thanksgiving one year. I think it was around Thanksgiving. They had like an open house at Red Bull Stadium, which was awesome. So like it just so happened we were going at that time. So we drove out of our way. We went. Kevin and I were there with my dad. And we got a tour of the place. And they let us down on the field. Tim Ream was on the field because he was still on the team at the time. And you could either meet Tim Ream and get a picture taken. Or you could take a penalty shot on one of the goals. And we were like we got to take the penalty shot. So I can't (laughs) remember who was in goal at that point. It was one of their backups. And this guy was taking a beating because he just literally would stand in the middle of the net and just dive like somebody else would line up and he would just dive. So I felt bad for the guy, but, um, it was, it was a cool experience. There's nobody in the stands. There's a huge line of people waiting, but to like stand on Red Bull, stand in Red Bull arena and get to take a PK. Um, it was awesome. It was, it was really, really cool. So yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's so yeah, that's so cool. I I like the idea of Right, so uh, back to Barcelona, right? Like mm-hmm. you pay a ton of money to take a tour of Camp New, but they they have the whole museum and there's just like all this stuff and it's so cool. But then you get to walk across, you get to go into the visitor locker room, right? You get to see the little chapel where they pray right before they like and you get to walk out the player tunnel. Yeah. You certainly do not get to go on the field because right. I feel like that field is that field is sacred. Yes. Let's be real. Yeah. Um but right, it's like such a cool experience. Did you, so I think
0: did you see the pictures of Iniesta just sort of sitting there?
1: oh my gosh I teared up it's oh my gosh yeah Yeah. it's anyway that's that. that could be a podcast (laughs) in and of itself talking about how my heart is broken that Iniesta has left I mean it broke the first time when Xavi left I was gonna say
0: when Xavi left that was a big one for me yeah Uh, but go ahead
1: anyway okay so so we've talked a little bit and we kind of skirted around it but how did you like actually come to find out about the river hounds
0: so Like I said, I always sort of knew about the Riverhounds. Like, I knew they were around. Um, I knew they were playing at sort of a a high school soccer stadium for a while. I remember them sort of announcing that Highmark Stadium was there. And you really can't miss Highmark Stadium if you go anywhere near downtown Pittsburgh. So I knew it was there. And, And basically what it came down to was there was a game, like I said, I think it was about four years ago. And uh, and I was starting to get interested in the Hounds a little bit, like not really watching them religiously. But it was something where um, I think Kevin was actually looking for something for me for my birthday, or it was something. And I was like, we should just get tickets and go to this game because we both like watching soccer. And we we're like, let's, let's just go. And, uh, and honestly, we went to one game. And like I said, we were sort of midfield, almost up at the press box. And there wasn't a lot of people there. It was sort of me and him. And there were these two older guys that were sort of sitting near us. And, uh, and we found ourselves sort of like live commentating what was going on. And these old guys were like chiming in with us. And it was the most fun. I mean, at that time, it was the most fun I had had at a a sporting event in my life. And, uh, and I was like, this is, this is a lot of fun. Like we absolutely have to come back and go to some more games. And, uh, and it became something where, you know, uh, Kevin lives in Nash or he lives in not in Nashville. I keep saying Nashville and now I'm blanking on where he's actually at. I know where he's at, but Knoxville. I'm Knox. There it is. Thank you, Laura Allen for knowing where <laughs> my brother lives. Um, uh, so Kevin's in Knoxville and it was one of those things where we said, you know, we were talking about at the game, like this is our, this is our local team. Like this is the team that plays in the town where we grew up. Like this is who we should be supporting in addition to whoever else we want to support. And, uh, and it was just something where, you know, Kevin and I were really, really close growing up, even though we were eight years apart. Um, But when he moved and like all through college and things like that, like we would talk occasionally, but it was just like life. Like he had schoolwork. I had wife and kids and it just really didn't happen. So we said we need to do something where we're forced to get together and talk to each other on a more consistent basis. And uh, and so that sort of spurred the idea for the podcast. And all the while we had we had both started watching the hounds sort of religiously. And uh, really, I think we got to the end of that season and we were both like, you know what, we should just we should just do it. Let's just do it. And uh, and that was how, you know, that was both when, you know, the fandom started for the team and then, you know, the 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 podcast itself was sort of born.
1: Yeah. So so why a podcast, though? Right. Like of all the of all the things you could do, what was it kind of about the podcast as as a medium and and why put it out there publicly? Right. Like, why not just have your weekly Skype chat to, to talk about it?
0: See, now that's a good question. Um, uh, the why a podcast <laughs> this is going to sound terrible. It's because I'm lazy. Um, it's uh, I shouldn't say it's because I'm lazy. It's because I don't have the time to do almost what I prefer to do, which is writing. Um, I would love to have the time to sit and write um, just, you know, long blog posts about whatever um, I, I really really enjoy that process of taking an idea and dissecting it and putting it down on the page and breaking it down and there have been a few times over the past few years when I've been able to do that I've had the time to do that um, and and I've really really enjoyed that but it was just something where I, I thought that the time commitment to, to sit down and actually do the writing and the research and all of that, I thought would just be too much and you know little did i know that prepping for a show if you want to do a good show like often there's a lot of the same amount of work that goes into it but it was it was a it was a joint decision sort of between i knew i didn't have time for writing and i wanted to do something collectively with kevin where we're sort of talking to each other so we said okay well let's let's try doing a podcast it was like this new it wasn't new at that point but it was new ish And we had both had podcasts that we listened to about teams that we like. So he listened to the Anfield rap who covers Liverpool. And I got hooked on the massive report, which covers Columbus, which I know Columbus is not Red Bulls, but that was sort of the thing at the time. And um, those guys do a fantastic job, or they did it at the time. I've I've since stopped listening, unfortunately. But um, it was just something where it was like, wow, it would be really cool if we knew that Columbus sort of had a, a partnership with the Hounds. And so I think in some ways, you know, it's kind of like why people start playing an instrument. It's because they want to play the songs of of their heroes. And not that, you know, the Anfield rap or the Master Report were our heroes, but it was something that we sort of looked at and was like, well, that would be cool. That would be fun. Let's try to do something like that. And that's that's really where it, it came from. I don't think we ever really thought let's just have like a Skype conversation about the game. I think after we had that experience of being in the stands and sort of, you know, yucking it up with the old guys talking about the game, we were like, let's just do this because nobody else was doing it At that time, like I know Josh had a show for a few years prior to that, um, but it wasn't going on at the time that we started. So when we started looking, there was nothing else out there. And we said, you know what? Um, Our whole stance was if zero people listened, we would still do it because we were going to have fun doing it. And we were talking to each other and we enjoyed watching the game. And that gave us an excuse. Like I couldn't say, oh, sorry, I can't watch the game today because of this thing. It was like a commitment that I was making. And so jointly i I was getting some enjoyment because i had to sit down and watch a game but i also had to sit down and watch a game so um so yeah that's 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 really why we selected a podcast over something like you know video reviews or writing or anything like that
1: yeah and i i uh would just like to point out that uh in all my experiences with you i don't think lazy is ever the word (laughs) that i would uh the, the adjective that i would use to describe you although uh this uh free reign no agenda uh uh show that that happened recently was was quite interesting uh i enjoyed it it was fine seat of our Uh, pants yeah (laughs) um okay so so you wanted to do a podcast uh you know it was something that you were kind of familiar with you had already kind of listened to other podcasts um and so so when like when did you like officially go live with
0: mongols So we started, I want to say it was three years ago now. Um, We started in the preseason and uh, really, you know, we, (laughs) this, this sort of, again, is sort of counter to the whole lazy thing. We were really nerdy about it because we said, look, if we're going to do it, we want to make sure that we don't like look like fools. And honestly, when we started the first few episodes were almost scripted down to a T it took a while for us to get really comfortable to just sort of watch and talk. And you know, now our outlines are very much like bullet points about, you know, this is what happened in the game. Let's talk about it. We could just talk about it, but not so early on. Um, Kevin, and I actually recorded, I want to say three to five shows that we never aired. Um, And what we did was we basically went back to the season before and rewatched games um, and then we would get together and we would do a recording as if that game actually just happened, and then we would listen to it and we would dissect it and you know, oh, I didn't like that intro, or I don't like the way we closed that one, or this felt like it was too much on the game, maybe we should talk about this over here, so we really worked all those kinks out, and then um, and then, yeah, we really started in the preseason, I think about three years ago, and uh, we said, well, you know, if we were fans you know, what sort of things would we like to hear about and so we sort of did a rundown of some of the players and what to expect, and one of our earliest shows, um, we got Hunter Gilstrap on. Um, he was a keeper at the time. And I just remember thinking, like, holy crap. Like, we went from, like, nothing to, like, three episodes later. We got Hunter Gilstrap. And we had a lot of fun. Hunter was fantastic. Um, he was great to talk to. And uh, and then, basically, I think he might have been the last interview that we did before the season started. And then it was just sort of like, all right, let's, let's do this. We had sort of all the... the prior to the season and then preseason to work out all the kinks. And then, uh, and then we, we launched from there.
1: Yeah. So it's like the basement tapes of Mongols. It is Mongols basement tapes exist somewhere. Yeah. So perhaps we could, I don't know. I feel like if we got like a certain number of Patreon followers or something, (laughs) we could resurrect them, release them uh, to a select audience. Uh, We could, we could do a commentary of the original, Mongols. Oh, that would
0: be like a, almost like not like a director's cut, but like we could.
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly like that. Exactly like a director's cut. That, that could be. be that could
0: be a lot of fun, actually. Um, we'll see.
1: So, I, I I don't have this on my outline, but where did the name Mongols come from? I mean, it seems intuitive, but how did you come up with Mongols? Well, hold
0: on. Let me ask you. What do you think Mongols means?
1: Uh. Well, we're along the 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 stadium's along the Mon River, right? Uh-huh. And uh, we want to score goals because that's how we win. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's where I think it comes from.
0: Good, yeah, no, that's 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 literally what it is. And and um, you know, a lot of people I think see Mongols and they they immediately think like Mongolian. And honestly, like it was something where we could have just called it like the riverhound show or, or, you know, something like that. But um, again, like I said, I, I was a fan of the massive report, which has a name that has nothing to do with Columbus and Kevin, like the Anfield rap, which didn't say Liverpool in the title at all. So we wanted something that was just a little bit different and a little bit unique. And, uh, and we were sort of joking, you know, some of the, some of the games that we had watched the previous season, anytime you see a ball that would go into the river, um, we would joke and be like, Oh, that's a Mongol. And then, you know, it was, it was a name that just sort of stuck and, so much of of naming anything, you know, in my, like, regular real life job, um, I do a lot of web stuff, a lot of um, naming anything uh, in, in sort of today's day and age comes down to whether or not you can get the URL for it. And this was just something where I was like, Oh, Mongols, like, that's, that's a pretty cool unique name you know it sort of has the mongolian feel to it but it's very unique to us because the stadium's on the mon river and every time the ball goes over you say it's a mongol that sort of thing and we thought there were other sort of um community-based tie-ins that we could eventually do which we still want to do um that somehow tie into the whole mongol thing uh and then it just so happened the url was available so we were just sort of like okay done like that's it let's let's use that and we've gone through a couple different like logos and shields over time from like very traditional stuff to finally just sort of settling on the the three-headed dog um for multiple reasons but uh but yeah so that's that's where the name mongols came from
1: with our basement tapes we could have a series (laughs) of uh the evolution of the logo yeah we could um no and i like didn't even think about that that like when the ball goes in the river that it's a mongol mm-hmm. um so very well done
0: it's totally made like, up but yeah yeah
1: <laughs> no i mean well and like also you had the foresight to know that uh at some point there would be uh two fine strong women that's right. uh, who would need woe mongols that's right so i appreciate that um well, and also it's like the Mon Valley, right? And so you yeah. grew up in Penn Hills. You went to, or you know, you participated yeah. in Woodland Hills stuff, which is all the Mon Valley, which is where I live, also. So mm-hmm. I appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, okay, so you you do a podcast. You find the URL Mon Goals after frantically searching for every other <laughs> URL that could possibly be available at the time. Um, so how did it go from just you and Kevin to then? Josh and then adding Liz and myself and and Justin. How how did that process happen?
0: So it was early on I maybe it wasn't early, maybe it was midway through that first season. Um, Kevin and I were, were doing good. You know, we were we were having fun, picking up a few listeners here and there. Um, and again, that was totally not our intent. I think we were sort of flabbergasted that anyone beyond our mom would listen to it at all. Um, and still to this day, I still kind of feel that way, but it was something where, uh, I don't know if it was on Twitter or something, but we would start to get into random conversations with people from the steel army. And one that always sort of chimed up was Josh. And so I think out of nowhere, we were just like, Hey, you know, it might be cool to start having guests on and whatever it may be. And so we had Josh on for literally, I think it was one episode and as soon as the episode was over, like, I sort of looked at Kevin. and I was like, can we get him full time? Like, can we just do that? Like, it, it was almost like love at first voice, which he's going to hear this and think that's hysterical. Um, but then we were like, well, let's have him on like a few more and see how it goes. And literally we had him on a few more and and it was just like, hey, you know, how would you feel about doing this full time? And at that point, we had no idea that he had had a show a few years prior where he talked about the River Hounds and USL and all of that. And so he was just kind of like, yeah, no, that would be fantastic. Let's do it. And basically midway through that first season on, we've been together ever since. Um, and uh, and as we've sort of continued to talk about different things, I think Liz just sort of got absorbed into the conversation and into the group. Uh, we had a number of discussions about um, not just Mongols, but sort of what, happens after Mongols because there was a period after we after we finished that first season where we were like okay so now what do we do like we got three or four months five months off whatever it may be the EPL was just starting up Kevin was itching to start talking about Liverpool a lot of it was trying to figure out like what we were as a show like do we just talk about the Riverhounds do we talk about all soccer what do we talk about and uh and so we started talking a little bit about EPL and I think at that point that was when we sort of dragged Liz in a little bit um, because of her her fandom there as well and I don't really think we started like we started having her as like a guest on air maybe the following season or maybe the season after that but she was always sort of there behind the scenes like anytime we would get together to do stuff if it was the three of us like Liz would be there too and she'd be participating and sharing ideas and she'd be involved um, so yeah I, I very much consider both her and Josh um, part of like the the brainchild and not that there's like an owner of mongols because i don't really think it, it it lends itself to that sort of structure but they're sort of like the godfathers like they're they're part of that collective and then um honestly i'm trying to remember like how we roped you and it might have been twitter again as well where you were just sort of always active on twitter and always sharing ideas and things like that and we we're just like you know what this crazy chick just keeps talking like we need to get her on the air. And so we brought you in and, uh, and you seemed to just hit it off with us and Liz right away. And, uh, and we're like, all right, let's, let's, let's do this. And so, you know, we had you on a couple more times. Um, and we're always, I think what's, what's really unique. and, And Kevin pointed this out at the end of last season when we sort of did our, um, our, our end of year blowout spectacular show is, it's, it's reached this level that I don't think Kevin or I ever expected it to reach. We always just thought it would be like the two of us just sort of talking soccer, but it's become something that's so much bigger than us, which we are thrilled about where we have, you know, five, six, seven uniquely distinct voices that all have different things to say and don't all agree with each other all related to this one team. And that, that allows us to have, unique conversations that would be so less interesting if we were all just on the same page all the time that we can actually debate things and we can actually disagree with each other after that debate. And that's okay because we sort of respect each other as people. And so, yeah, you were, you were brought in and it was like, this is fantastic. And you guys decided to run with the woman goals thing, which has been amazing. And then honestly, you know, Justin, when we started to talk about expanding the shows that we were doing, because we've gone through, oh, I don't know how many different kinds of shows over the years. And it just got to the point this year where we're like, you know what, the the hype train is real for the hounds this season. And, um, we would love to do more shows, but like, literally I have, like I said, no more time. Like, there's just literally no more time. And, um, and you said, Hey, you know, I, this isn't like nepotism or anything, but I think Justin would do a really good job. And I said, okay, well, let's, let's talk to him and let's make it happen. And again, it was something where, you know, I talked to him once and I was like, yeah, this is going to work out. And so (laughs) since then, you know, he's sort of just, he's just taken the preview show and run with it. And it's been amazing. I think, one of the, the things that we need to figure out now is because we have sort of this cast of characters, how to integrate everybody into as many different conversations as we can. And it's not even just us. Like we've had other people on the show that we would love to have back on a regular basis. Like, you know, Casey who, you know, he's also equally swamped because he has three kids playing in the academy and all of that. And there's a number of people in the front office and players that I know that if we were just like, Hey, can we do this on a regular basis? They would say, yes, let's do it. Former players that I still stay in touch with that, uh, that we absolutely could have on here on a regular basis. That would be fantastic. And it's just, it's just, now it becomes a logistics thing of how do we get everybody in and how do we do this? And honestly, like I said, the whole idea of this becoming bigger than ourselves is fantastic because if anybody has any ideas, we are more than welcome to entertain them um, just to keep having the conversation. And I've learned so much about the power of conversation just through the process of making this podcast. And we can get into that later. But I think that just having the discussion is so important um and it, it can do so many things and uh and so the more conversations that we can have and the more unique conversations that we can have the better so yeah that's that's sort of how at least to get back to your question how everybody sort of made their way into the group
1: yeah i mean and i think uh, you know for me just being a small part of that story has just been so fun um and uh, has definitely been a way for me to renew my own passion for the game um, and having a team here locally in Pittsburgh, you know, just makes it so much easier. Right. Uh, you know, you could look at an MLS team and right, like my MLS team is a union, which is unfortunate for a number of reasons, but. Um, you know but but it's far away right it's like six hours um from here to to philly and so having a team that it takes me 15 20 minutes to get there right um i can go i can hang out with people i enjoy right and then we can have this dialogue whether it's on twitter or or you know through Slack or, you know, uh, uh, on the show. I think it's just, I think it's a powerful thing. And I think you're right about the the power of conversation and having those different voices, <laughs> which I think this kind of leads into um, my next question. And and perhaps this has evolved. So I'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts about this. This is all really wonderful and I'm really enjoying it. I hope everyone else is too. Um, so what is your kind of like vision for Mongols? And, and, and by vision, I... I say, like what what kind of perspective do you feel like? like are you just fans? Are you kind of journalists? Are you the critics? Um, you know, or are, are you know, are you what is it the, the peanut gallery? I don't know, but 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 how do you kind of see the role of Mongols as it relates to the entity that is uh, the Pittsburgh Riverhounds Riverhounds SC?
0: Yeah. This is actually a conversation that we've had a couple times uh, between Kev, Josh, and myself. And it's funny because I think Kevin's approach is always just like, eh, we are what we are. We just, you know, just speak from the heart and that's all it is. And I think Josh and I are much more like, no, like there's something, like, what are we? Like, what, what niche do we sort of fill here? What role are we filling? And I think early on, we, Kevin and I sort of set out and we literally, we wrote down like bullet points, like what, what do we think we are? What is Mongols? Um, what role does this fill? And I think we specifically said we don't want to become too closely affiliated with the front office. We, The people in the front office that we've worked with so far have been fantastic and talking to players has been amazing, but we don't want to get into a situation where um, we feel obligated to say nice things unceremoniously because of our relationship with the people in the front office. And I've had this discussion with Tuffy, you know, online where it's just like, look, we both have a shared goal of seeing Pittsburgh soccer succeed. And I totally respect everything that he's doing in terms of trying to grow the game. And he totally respects everything that we're trying to do in terms of trying to grow the game. But we were both aware that if there's something that the team isn't doing, it's, one of our roles is to sort of say that we don't agree with what they're doing because in the end, we're just a few people sitting around talking about this. Um, And that was one of the other things is that, you know, we, we, when we set out, we said, we do not represent the steel army. The steel army is there. They are a fantastic group. They are well organized, but we don't want to go out and pretend like we're speaking for a large group of people either. That's not our role. And somewhere along the way, it started to feel like, We became journalists just because, in that, like, we realized we were having conversations with people and we were learning things that were going on with the team or learning things that were going on with soccer in the area. And we started to feel this responsibility to share some of those things with everybody that started listening to us and everybody that was, you know, having these conversations on Twitter and all of that. And so I think that to a certain extent, especially, you know, with Pittsburgh soccer now. And, you know, what John's doing over there and and Mark, you know, the Riverhounds rabbi and all of that. That feels more like journalism to me, but I realized somewhere along the way that the lines between fans and journalists and and critics and all of that can very easily be blurred just based upon the platform that you have or that you create for yourself. And so I think even though we never set out to become journalists you know journalists and air quotes or even critics i think that because we we have these types of conversations a lot of people look to us for their news and and for information about the team and so because of that we've sort of become journalists to a certain extent so i'm constantly sort of playing with that idea of how far do we push this like Because there's journalism in the sense that you can sort of look at something and just convey what it is you know. And then there's the whole like investigative journalism sort of thing where you can dig a lot deeper. And we've talked, you know, a number of times about trying to produce shows and content where not necessarily like digging up dirt on anybody that's not what we would do but even just sort of digging deeper into the local Pittsburgh soccer scene and uncovering things and sharing it with people you know the whole thing with John Battersby and the Tartan Devils and like having him on which we haven't had him on yet this season we need to do that but like I think that's a whole segment that a lot of people had no idea existed and uh and so the fact that we as a platform have been able to sort of shed a light, you know, point a light on some of these groups and these organizations, I think has been amazing. Um, And so, you know, do I think that we're journalists or critics or just fans? I'll always think of myself just as a fan, but I think we may have sort of stumbled into journalist and critic as well. And so I think that we need to, accept some of the responsibility that goes along with that as well, in terms of the types of conversations and and information that we share and, and things we talk about.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, that, at least from my perspective, I think that makes a lot of sense. And so just to clarify, Mongols is not funded by the river hounds or the steel army. No. Okay. I think, and so I think, right, like, I'm trying to think when I first listened to Mongols, probably sometime last season early to mid last season and then i started harassing all of you on twitter but um in in the most benign way possible right of course Uh, yes but but i like i think i i certainly had questions and this is the whole reason why i wanted to talk to you because i have all these questions and kind of you know just curiosity about where this came from but at first i was like wait are they are they employed by the river hounds are they like you know a, a, you know funded by the seal i mean i didn't know so i, I think yeah. that's um you know a helpful thing and i do want to so- uh, circle back around to pittsburgh soccer now but mm-hmm. um first i want to talk about the beautiful game network because this is something that i truly had no idea about that that you started the beautiful game network until m- truly maybe a month ago you Which had is, no idea
0: what you're getting into, did you?
1: No idea. <laughs> I had no idea. And, uh, you know, other people are probably better educated and more aware of what's happening than I am. So so I don't think. Uh, so you hide yourself well. Good. Um, That's my intention. So, oh, you know what? This is how I found out about it. Pittsburgh Soccer Now. I was clicking through the bios oh. and I clicked on your bio and it said something about like, and founded Beautiful Game Network. I remember I, you
0: you being like, "What?" Yeah. I was I like, that. "What is
1: happening? It's like yeah. first your brothers yeah. and now you started Beautiful Game Network. What's happening here?" Yeah. Um also that took me a long time to figure out. So you're welcome. Yeah. Uh uh okay. So you have this podcast, you have mongols. Mm-hmm. Where like where did the idea come from to start a network? Yeah, where how did it go?
0: so um honestly it was after that first season of doing mongols where we were trying to figure out what what mongols was so the the riverhound season was over and we were like okay you know we could talk about epl um and we we're like well you know that's a lot of teams how do, i think a lot of people think you like oh you just get on a microphone and you just start talking but like to to put on a show because really in some ways, you know, we just talked about, you know, are you journalists, journalist? Are you critics? In some ways I think of us as entertainers as well. Not very good entertainers, but like you want to put on something that's worth listening to. Um, and I, again, I don't think we always do that, but in the back of my mind, that's the way I think. And so when we sat down and said, okay, well, let's talk about the premier league. We started to think about like, well, okay, who is our audience? Um, what's going to happen, you know, once, the Riverhounds start playing again and the Premier League's still going on. You know, do we we mix the Premier League talk with the Riverhounds talk? And is that going to alienate some fans because they may not be as interested in the Riverhounds or they may not be as interested in the Premier League and therefore, you know, people aren't going to really want to listen because they don't want to, you know, hear about something they don't care about. And so we tossed around the idea of creating a purely Premier League show. And we did. It was called 3PL. um, And uh, it was Kev, Josh, and I. And literally... We, again, it was a lot of experimentation where originally we were sort of talking about every Premier League game and we realized we weren't really saying anything about any of them because when you try to talk about everything, you end up saying nothing. And so then we figured out a way to sort of whittle it down to two or three games a week and we would sit down and we would watch each of those games and then we would come back and we would discuss them. And uh, and that was really cool just from sort of a reaching out and learning about the the broader EPL following in Pittsburgh, because there's so many little pockets that we had no idea existed. I mean, Liverpool fans, Everton fans, Spurs fans, um, some city fans, and they're all over the place. I mean, if you go down to Piper's pub on a Saturday morning, you're going to find a bunch of them sitting around. But even in the case of Everton, um, you know, they have their own pub now where they're not going to Piper's all the time. And so anyway, we started this show, this 3PL, and we're kind of like, okay, well, where does this live? Is it part of mongols or is it something else entirely and we said well it's probably something else entirely and then i think it was around the same time we started talking to john krasinski about doing at the time it was the pittsburgh college soccer show where he had a lot of uh uh, people that were requesting more information about pittsburgh pittsburgh college soccer so he and i were like okay well let's do the show so really quickly we had three shows with three unique fan bases talking about three different segments of soccer. And, uh, and we said, okay, well, let's make these three different shows. And honestly, just from a management standpoint, it was easier to put them all on one site as opposed to have three different sites for them all to live on. And, um, and it was something, I mean, you can always just have a show and just sort of have it show up on SoundCloud and that's fine, but I'm always, much more of a control freak so i was like well let's have a site that we control and we can do all that so that was literally where the idea came from to have bgn was just to have something to hold our three shows and uh and, and then from there honestly um evan valella who now hosts the usl show we had talked to him a few times over the course of it may not have been that season it may have been the following season for the hounds whenever the hounds would play bethlehem And, uh, and I think he had mentioned at one point, like, Oh, you know, we're sort of tossing around the idea of doing a podcast about Bethlehem or, you know, whoever his boss was, was, was doing that. So I reached out to him and I said, Hey, you know, we got this site, we've got a lot of the kinks figured out because there's a lot of things that you have to figure out in order to be able to do a podcast. Like, I think the, the entire idea of just getting something on iTunes feels daunting to people who know nothing about it. And we'd figured all that out. And so you know, Evan, who we'd considered like a friend or, or I guess we'll say an acquaintance at that point. I've still never met him in person. I'm looking forward to meeting him in September. Um, Wait, what? Yeah, no, I've never met Evan in person. Like we've, we've, we have oh conversations like this all the time. Oh, but no, like, I mean,
1: I've never met Evan in person, but I just yeah. met him virtually, you know.
0: Yeah, exactly. Ago, so. And okay. so um, and so it was literally something where I was just like, hey, we have this stuff figured out. You mentioned that you guys might be interested in the show. Like we're happy to help you get it started or wherever it may be. And, uh, and he came back and he was like, yeah, that sounds great. But instead of doing a Bethlehem show, can we do like an Eastern Conference uh, USL show? And that was where Eastern Conference Confidential came from. Um, and they did that for about a year. And then, you know, they basically took the reins of the USL show. And now the USL show is there as well. And it, it, it literally, it like snowballed. Like it never really was my intention to to get BGN to, I think we're almost at 25 shows on the network now. Um, But it was literally something where I think as soon as we had a few, we would just start having conversations with people and we're like, Hey, we got this thing, you know, what do you think? Um, And I think that the allure for a lot of people is that podcasting, if you don't have multiple people on your show, podcasting can feel very isolating because you're, you're basically getting on a microphone and you're saying what you feel. And a lot of times you may not be getting a lot of feedback. You're not getting a lot of responses. And so you're just sort of doing it. And um, and it's something that I think, regardless of whether or not you have other people on your show or not, again, it comes down to that conversations and providing a service to the fans and helping to grow the fan base for a team and helping you know to put more focus on the team and all of that. So I think that regardless, it's a really important part to helping to grow soccer in – In the U.S. and uh, and so I think that the allure of joining BGN part of it is that you get to be part of that Slack network and you get to talk. You have these connections with all of these other podcasters that are doing the same thing, and you can bounce ideas off each other and you can get together and BS about teams. and It becomes very easy to have guests on your show because you just hey I know Evan let's just have him on and we'll talk to him and it's like you're talking to an old friend and so all of a sudden the beautiful game network is less of a network and it's more of a community of people that are all just sort of doing the same thing and having fun doing it. And so in that way, I don't, I don't like to think of myself as sort of like the founder or the CEO of BGN. Like I would never actually use that title on anything official. I just, I always sort of refer to myself as like the community organizer where it's just sort of, I, I, I built a park and everyone came and played. And so that's sort of in my mind, that's what it is and that's what it should be. Um, and that's that's how it got started honestly it was just we had three shows and we needed somewhere for them to live and uh and then everybody else wanted to come over and play so yeah
1: yeah and i think it's just it's so interesting and again uh you know prior to us sitting down and talking right now i have known very little of this information which i think is you know making this hopefully interesting for for multiple people but but what i think is interesting is you know especially with with mongols but then also with bgn like this is just something that's kind of happened organically over Mm -hmm. time and um you know while i'm you know you are a very organized person right um you know it's not like you know four years ago you had some master plan that this is how it was all going to work out and you know i love strategic planning as much as the next person but that's that's not how at least the genesis of this um you know came about and so so you said there's what did you say like 20 25 other podcasts? We'll say 25, um, sure. Okay. And so were they like new podcasts that someone's like, "Oh, I want to cover such and such team. Can I make a podcast and join BGN?" Or were they existing podcasts or what did that look like?
0: Um, I mean, honestly, it's I'm, I'm sort of looking at the list now to get a sense of who were some of the early people in. It was a combination of both. Um, you know, the unused subs guys, when they came in, they were pretty early on and they were pretty well established. Um, but it was just something again, where it was like, Hey, you know, we talked to you guys about Tampa. Do you guys want to come and hang out? And excuse me, they're like, yeah, let's do it. And so, um, they already had a good setup going. And then, uh, you know, even something like the STL soccer report, I think Phil might've posted two or three shows and then we sort of roped him in. So it, it really is a mix. Um, you know, I would say probably half of half of the shows on the network sort of were already doing their own thing, and uh, and sort of saw the party that was going on and said, hey, let's go play over there too. And then the other half were sort of like, hey, we have this idea, you know, but we don't know how to get it started. And then I would sort of say, okay, well, yeah, I think this is really great. Let's make sure that we you know check all these boxes, and we'll help you get a logo and do all that stuff, and and we'll get you on your feet. Um, because I, again, I think that one of the things that people feel is prohibitive to doing something like podcasting is the cost. And that was also something that we sort of figured out where if you're gonna do like a new show, it's gonna cost you more than if you already have sort of like this existing network. Um, and, uh, And what I didn't wanna have happen was to see either existing podcasts go away because people didn't have the resources to keep doing them or people who are willing to put in the time to do a show and do good shows not do it because they felt that they didn't have the resources available to do it. And so this very much is is sort of fostering again that conversation and helping these other shows grow and flourish to the best of their abilities um without being hampered by um you know things like financial burden or anything like that.
1: Yeah, and so um is, are the podcasts just covering USL teams or are there like other things that are covered by the podcast on the network?
0: No. So, I mean, we have, we have stuff covering, obviously the USL, it feels like is the big one. Cause I think we have 18 or 19 of our shows are dedicated to the USL, but we do have the football foundry, which covers the EPL. Um, we have the, uh, last word, um, soccer club, which covers MLS, um, we have, you know, obviously Backyard Footy, which is Hugh Roberts show, which does some USL, but also just talks to pros. Um, really, it's it's teams sort of everywhere. You have the Sock Takes that does a lot of just sort of investigative stuff or have people like Car- Kyle Martino or Alexi Lalas on to talk about things. I think really the reason why um, most of the shows on the network right now are USL is because we've had so many conversations with other people across the USL and it just became something where it was like, Hey, we're talking to you. Let's, you know, let's see how the conversation goes and go from there. Um, and I think that anytime you're trying to grow something, and again, you you sort of mentioned that this wasn't something we set out to do, it just sort of happened organically. And I still feel like it's happening organically, but if you don't sort of take the reins and sort of point the horse in a, particular direction then it's just going to run in circles and so um what we said was okay you know we could try to get every soccer podcast to join the network or we can be very deliberate about what it is that we're targeting and it felt like because of our connections in the usl it just made sense to sort of try to corner the usl market and get as many shows to join as we can um and be that one place and even there are other shows that aren't on the network. I don't I don't want to make this feel like we're like gobbling people up because that's not it at all. One of the big things that people always ask whenever they join is like, do we retain the rights to our own show? And it's absolutely 100 percent yes. This is your show. It will always be your show. You could choose to leave it anytime you want. We are just here to help you spread word about your show and uh, and help you guys grow in any way that you need help to grow. That's it. Um but we thought, like, okay, you know, let's let's try to corner the USL market and uh and see how many usl shows we can get and that might afford us you know some better uh interviews you know the usl show was able to get jake edwards who is the usl commissioner on the show um we can always land some big player interviews um i think because of the collective community uh in a lot of ways and so i think that that's why we said let's go after the usl but honestly you know there's like i said there's the last word soccer show that's mls we've had a few discussions, which I can't really divulge much at this time about potential other MLS shows joining the network. And I think that eventually this could continue to grow to the point that, um, you know, it, it just starts becoming about all soccer, Um, which, which becomes sort of a logistical nightmare for me, because from a UI standpoint, how do you get people to find what it is they're looking for when you have so many shows, which we're sort of running into that now, but anyway, that's, another discussion for another time. But yeah, that's, that's sort of why we went after the MLS as it was. Cause the ML or not the MLS, the USL, because the USL is what we know. So,
1: yeah. Yeah. And, and one thing I did uh, want to mention, and sorry to throw this on you. Um, you know, you, you mentioned that it like costs money to, mm-hmm. to do all of this. And so I know, I know at least Mongols, you know, we have our Patreon followers and we're so thankful for the folks that choose to support us and, Uh, You know, we, at least from my perspective, and it sounds like from your perspective as well, like we do this to have a conversation, right? (laughs) This is about um, promoting, uh, you know, soccer, promoting the River Hounds. Um, And so it, there, there is kind of that cost. And so if people, you know, appreciate what's happening with BGN, with Mongols, are there ways that, um, you know, people can support um, what's happening financially?
0: This feels like a like a WQED pledge drive. Um, no, I think if, if look, <laughs> if there's if there's a particular show that you really enjoy, obviously go check it out, see if they have a Patreon page. If they don't, ask them why. I know most of the shows do. Um, and that's appreciated. I think the thing is is that we're realistic about the fact that nobody's gonna like quit their day job to do this. Everybody is doing this on the side and every little bit helps from sort of the Patreon contributors and all of that, you guys are all fantastic. But like I almost feel more inclined to take that money and turn around and give it back to the fans or give it back to the community in some way. Because again, I don't feel like I've done anything that's worth being paid for at this point. I'm just having fun. And so, um, yeah, in terms of like, you know, covering the cost of hosting and things like that, relatively speaking, it's a minimal amount for the amount of content that we're able to put out there. And so, um, yeah, taking care of that is is not a problem at this point. Um, and you know, we do have, uh, as everybody knows, now we have our Roughneck Scarves sponsorship, which they've been fantastic. And that's helping to cover a large portion, um, of the cost of hosting all of these shows, which is why if you listen to any of the BGN shows, you always hear them plug Roughneck Scarves. And the idea is that if we can just sort of keep growing and keep, you know, maybe getting a few sponsors here and there that, uh, eventually we can keep, you know, kicking back stuff to all of the shows that are on the network and they can turn around and do cool things like, you know, make scarves to give to people or t-shirts or, or give it to some charity. We would love to do more charitable work. We just don't have the funds at this time to do that. Um, but you know, sort of getting more organized in the community is something I would love to see Mongols do here in the near future. So yeah.
1: Yeah. No, thank you. And, and, uh, just for the record uh you know michael did not put me up to that I, I i just think it is like something that again this is not something you know as someone i, who I didn't put it, you up to
0: any of this let's just make that clear i did not yes. want to talk about this
1: uh yes this <laughs> is uh this is a result of me pestering michael for several months to learn all this information because i think it's, it's i don't know i think it's important to understand kind of the the history of where things come from and and kind of where we see things going but but i think again this is something that i didn't you know know until becoming more involved it's just like the cost that goes along with you know it's not just you know the the microphones and the headphones and you know whatever other like you know fancy things you know, you want for recording purposes, but then it, but then it becomes like you know, hosting the websites and, and all of those kinds of things, um, which are just things that I, you know, I'm not sure that, that people think about, or at least I didn't think about until I became more involved. Mm-hmm. But I think uh, you kind of touched on something, which this is, uh, you know, we're wrapping it up. I, I would love to sit here and talk for a couple more hours. <laughs> uh, I got to go read to my think... kids,
0: Laura Ellen. So let's. Uh, and I hate ah. talking about myself. So let's. Uh,
1: yeah. <laughs> bring okay. it on home. All right. Uh, but but so for, you know, we've talked about Mongols, we've talked about BGN, um, you know, and I said we would circle back around to Pittsburgh soccer now. And, and I think that kind of fits uh, into this, at least for the folks in, in, in Western Pennsylvania um, who are part of Riverhounds SC, kind of that that fan base. But but what do you see next? What is kind of the role that you see for Mongols, uh, for BGN? Um, in regards to kind of, you know, you know, broadly, but then also thinking about, you know, soccer culture, sports culture, like, what does that look like for you?
0: So I think, you know, this sort of comes back to something I meant, I mentioned earlier about the importance of just the conversation. I think that there, there can be so many emotions. There can be so many fans that are just under the surface that feel like, they're on their own. I mean, we see this a lot, just with social media and people sort of finding their 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 group, um, you know, their friends and things like that. And I think that having the collective conversation helps to show people that you know there are other people like you out there that um, that are talking about these sorts of things and that you know um, they're they're just like you and that you're welcome with that group. And so I sort of see the role with Mongols, at least in terms of Pittsburgh, just to be to continue to grow that conversation Um, you know, there've been a lot of discussions sort of behind closed doors amongst ourselves about, you know, how can we, how can we grow that conversation even more? How can we, Uh, again, I keep talking about horses. I don't know why I've been on like this weird analogy kick the past few days anyway, but just sort of like take the horse by the reins and, uh, and really try to, to continue to grow the fandom in Pittsburgh. And I've said this on air, my, my biggest fear at this point is that, you know, I think a lot of people expect, well, as soon as the Hounds start winning, we're going to start selling out Highmark stadium. And at least thus far, that hasn't been the case. And I look to a team like um, Rochester, who came in fourth in the East last year, and they had to fold just because they didn't have the support. And like that would be beyond terrible. Now I don't, I don't think that's going to happen to the Hounds. Like I, Tuffy has done an amazing job of not only building the pro team but also the academy. And I think that you know the academy is just continuing to grow and thrive. And I think as that grows, the team, the the fandom is going to grow and all of that. So I think that's fine. But there are deliberate things that now that we have this sort of voice um, we have this platform, we can have this conversation. We can have people on to talk about it. I'd love to see Mongols be more involved in growing the local fandom. Um, Because again, I think, you know, you sort of have bodies. I keep thinking back to like that scene at the end of newsies where like they went out and printed the paper and like just started handing it out to people. Like that's literally, we have the ability to do that. So now it's just a matter of like, how do we funnel all of our energies in the right place to be the most effective? And uh, and so yeah, I I do see you know this growing beyond just a weekly or or you know three times a week show where we're just talking about soccer to actually you know moving forward and doing great things in the community and trying to grow the local fan base to the point that again, like I said, there are tons of soccer fans in Pittsburgh. They're just all of them just aren't Riverhounds fans. And so it's, how can we show them what they're missing? Because honestly, you know, I was one of those, you were one of those people where it was just like, okay, well, you know, we'll watch the MLS team and that's what it is. And until you're actually sort of grabbed and you go down to the stadium and you sit there and you take it in and then you go, Oh crap, like, this is amazing. And this is in my backyard. So I think doing more of that is what I see the role for, for Mongols being. And then BGN as a whole, you know, I've started to have some different thoughts about some additional shows Um that we could add to the network. Um, you know, there's, there's. <laughs> I don't wanna like, you know, sort of show my hand too much here, but I've always been really interested in podcasts that are not um, uh, current events, um, like shows that provide uh, uh, some content that you can go back and listen to months later or years later and it's still relevant and it's still entertaining and trying to do that for soccer I feel is very difficult because so much of what goes on is current events. You're, you're reporting on your team, you're talking about what's going on. Um, but I have this idea for a show that I think could be really impactful, um, and could be, you know, not based on current events. Um, but again, allows us to continue to grow the conversation about soccer, not just in Pittsburgh, but, across the country, because I feel like a lot of people are talking about things, but nobody's really getting in a room and and sharing things that they've learned per se, um, and helping to collectively grow soccer fandom and the soccer culture in America. There's just a lot of talk about, well, this is what we should do, and this is what we should do, but there's not a lot of action, or this is what we know works. So I have, yeah, that might have divulged way too much. But anyway, that's something that I would like to see um, happen and may happen here on the network. But I see it continuing to grow and have shows that that have much more of a, a, a larger scale appeal, not because we're looking for a bigger audience, but again, because we know what the power of conversation can do and, uh, and, and sort of because it's it's not again it's not even like we asked for this responsibility but it's just kind of like because we know how to do it if we don't do it does that make us irresponsible i don't know um there's a whole like morality thing that goes into all of this that is constantly flowing around in my head but yeah i'd like to see bgn continue to grow and um and just continue to be a great place for conversation about soccer um and even beyond soccer, just you know the impact that soccer can have. You talk about the union and uh, and the sons of Ben and the work that they did in the community before they even had a team. Like that is huge. This is a group of people who love soccer, but went out and positively impacted a a, a city, a town, um, in such a way that uh, it just it completely changed things around. So yeah, I think it's it's sort of channeling everything that we're doing for the greater good. Um, and whether that's, you know, helping to grow the game or that's helping to, you know, enrich somebody's life or, um, you know, help young kids, uh, figure out what it takes to develop their skills to go to the next level, whatever it may be. Um, I just like to keep having that conversation and, uh, hopefully, you know, encourage others to do the same and, and let's turn some of that conversation into action.
1: Yeah, that, thank you. I mean, I feel so inspired. Um, (laughs) You know, I, I think that's like a, a perfect spot. You know, you're laughing and Michael's face is getting all red and it's, it's very funny. But, uh, you know, if that feels like the perfect spot to kind of uh, wrap this up. Um, and is, is there anything else, you know, that you feel like you didn't you didn't say that that you want to make sure you shout out?
0: No, I just want to thank you, Laura Ellen, for doing this. Um, Like I said, I I really hate talking about myself. I feel very uncomfortable um, doing it. And so I told you going in that we can't make this all about me. It's got to be about everything else. And I think you did a good job of doing that. So thank you. I apologize if I went down too many rabbit holes. Just, you know, sometimes I do that.
1: No, I, uh, I found this, uh, I learned a lot. So um, hopefully everyone else uh, did as well. So again, a huge thanks uh, to Mike for answering all of my questions. I'm sure I'll think of more later. uh, But maybe we'll do a part two. We can do a part two. Uh, If you have questions, let us know. Uh, But first of all, thank you to our sponsor, Roughnecks Roughneck Scarves, official scarf supplier to MLS, USL, and U.S. soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. Can I say something really
0: quick? I've actually used Roughneck Scarves before, and their scarves are pretty great. So, like, that was one of the big things is when we said, let's get a sponsor, we weren't just going to get a sponsor that didn't make sense. Like, we know that a lot of people listen, are fans, they have youth teams, all of that. Go get Roughneck Scarves. Like, they do a really good job. We got a whole bunch for Woodland Hills, and they turned out fantastic. Continue. Sorry.
1: Well, thank you for that. The personal <laughs> plug. A personal plug by Michael Scar- or Michael Scarves. <laughs>
0: there you go. Yeah. <laughs>
1: or Michael Scarves, uh, if you watch The Office. Uh, anyway, uh, so if you're looking for more great podcasts, as we've talked about, uh, head over to bgn.fm. Uh, you know that I'm from Womongols, so you can follow us on Twitter at Mongols or Womongols, and you can email us at mongols at BGN.FM. Head over to iTunes and subscribe to the show and leave us a review. Um, I love going back and reading them. uh, And I left a review. So see if you can go find mine and see (laughs) if you can match it and do better. Um, Otherwise, let us know what you thought about the show. Thank you, everyone. And as Mike always says, we'll talk to you very, very soon.
0: Cheers.